Welcome to the American Cinematographer Podcast. Go behind the scenes with today's top filmmakers as they discuss the techniques they bring to the art of motion imaging. This podcast is sponsored by the ASC Masterclass, a five-day seminar taught in Hollywood. Learn more at theasc.com. I'm Ian Stasakevich, a contributing writer for American Cinematographer magazine. In this episode, director of photography Tat Radcliffe talks to us about his work on the film 71. Directed by Jan Demange and set during the Troubles in Belfast, 71 focuses on the experience of a British soldier, played by Jack O'Connell, who becomes separated from his team after a clash with the IRA. I spoke with Tat via Skype from his home in the UK. And now, on with the interview. Tat, as part of my preparation for this podcast, I watched a BAFTA interview with you where you give some advice to aspiring cinematographers. Uh, you say uh, to not get too absorbed in the technicalities and that telling the story is the most important thing. Does that correctly describe your personal approach? Yes, I wouldn't uh, describe myself as a great technician. I have a group of, of guys around me, very talented, you know, focus pullers, grips, steady cam operators, those guys, gaffers. In a way, I see myself more as a sort of uh, a thread for between the director and the story. I think I kind of work on a pretty instinctive level and that, so that I know what is needed but the the technical fine details i get kind of um lost in or not very excited by that so i think i said that because i kind of you know I, it was a bit of a an issue for me that i didn't feel that i was te technically competent obviously you have to know a certain amount but really i think that it's being able to tell the story visually and you know as long as you have the the basic understanding of how photography works i think that and you know you're freed up to try anything really the first time you read the script for 71 what kinds of images did it evoke for you what drew me particularly was the uh, the story of the the children really the the the, the presence of uh, the the youth but then what it was what really i wanted to do was create this sort of feeling of anxiety and really this idea that everything was unfolding before our eyes for the audience that it was it really felt there was like a spontaneous sense of control you know through through camera movement and through or you know obviously through lighting and or lack of lighting so it really it became a political piece and a, a documentary piece but, and also a kind of um, a psychodrama way where the audience ha has to feel completely inside Jack's head. It was kind of combining lots of genres. Are the psychodrama and documentary aspects of the film inherent in the script, or did those concepts develop in tandem with the director? It becomes a kind of process of taking it all apart, really, and we break it down into its components, into the scenes and how those scenes are going to work and how they're going to ultimately blend into the following scenes or the previous scenes. You worked with Jan Demange on many different television projects for the BBC. Was doing a feature any different for the two of you? Well, when we were doing TV, we always talked that it would be, you know, it would 
be great to to translate what we were doing because we what we wanted to create even in tv was something that was ultimately you know a horrible word to use but cinematic you know they had a kind of epic scale to it all so that's why for a cinematographer it's so exciting to work with someone like Jan who's that's where he he wants he wants to keep the story alive but it's also about making the grand gesture and keeping it big so the idea now that we had an opportunity to have something that people would see on the big screen was uh, very attractive yes yes and 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 also you know because we'd worked together for so many years there was a freedom there to kind of you know the understanding the way we communicate and in a way sometimes even though i i'd sort of got involved quite early on in the sort of nine months before we never really came to a, a specific conclusion about how some scenes should be shot specifically and i think that lack of fear in terms of we would decide things on the spur of the moment. You know, we could change and act more in, on instinct and impulsively. You know, obviously there were scenes that we had to nail, like the explosion, and that was probably the toughest because it was kind of, in a way, working against how we would work and having to really make sure that the detail in advance was all laid up. That was that was a great experience and probably something that we hadn't done before so much. You feel like what you get, like you can feel that the difference between like yes this is this is constructed and then then this sort of evolved naturally uh yeah i think uh, well i think that you we're always trying to hide the way that it's created you know the, the threads the seams you know i don't i don't really i'm not interested i'm quite suspicious of anything that's too showy or too beautiful and so you know i like this idea that maybe there is a rawness a raggedness to filmmaking uh, you know, obviously that approach would seem to work very well. It's very liberating to be able to actually admit to yourself that you probably have no idea how something is going to turn out. But you know that you've done the prep, you know you've visited the locations, you've talked to the production designer, but ultimately you know that things could change utterly at the sort of a moment's notice. And uh, I love that rather than having this being set with a sort of a fixed storyboard where you know that, you know, there are certain shots that you're going to have to shoot over that day. A lot of people might find that kind of scary. But, the, you know, producers were very open to the way we worked. And because we'd worked, Jan and I worked so many times, you know, we'd, we were able to kind of hone that. Can you describe this instinctive process that occurs on set? An example would be the um, the riot sequence. We'd kind of broken it down into its various components, and we knew that ultimately it would have to be shot from various perspectives of the individuals involved. And obviously the core perspective was Gary. So we knew there would be a camera that would be on Jack's face, you know, close and wide, and wherever he went, we would follow. And then the, similarly, we'd do one where... We were kind of over his shoulder and we ran the whole the kind of riot sequence over and over again, ran the whole, most of the sequence, you know, from their arrival to probably up to the point just before he gets shot. So Jan would let me loose. We'd spent half a day setting up the sequence with the first and I would, I would do a handheld pass and, uh, you know, I would concentrate on Jack. And uh, that would kind of light the fuse with Jan. And maybe we do 
he, you know, he'd say, do it again, do the same thing again. And he wouldn't necessarily tell me what he was looking for, but he'd, he'd always say, go again if he was looking for something. You know, Once we'd done that, maybe we'd send in Matt Fisher, my Steadicam operator, and he would do a similar thing, but you know, it would have a, a, a slightly different feel. Maybe there were scenes that were just Steadicam, or maybe there would be a scene that I, we knew would work on Steadicam, but I would do it shoot a pass and held so to so Matt would watch so he could get an idea of what you know how we needed to construct the shots. It sounds to me like you're just sketching in the scene and then refining and refining until you arrive at what you want. Yeah. What camera system did you use? So at very early stage, Jan came to me and said he wanted to shoot the night on digitally and the day on Super 16 film. And I have to admit, my first reaction was like, oh, Christ, you know, this is just logistically going to be a complete nightmare. Uh, you know, having two camera system, you know, systems, mixing it all up. And then uh, we did a lot of testing. And I knew that the, the, way, that, uh, the way that we do work is, is we had time, but, you know, ideally it would have been great to shoot everything on Super 16 on film. Because we wanted that sort of, or you know, I think film still gives that kind of authenticity that we needed, especially in that sort of period piece. But what digital gave us, it, it just helped that kind of spontaneity, impulsiveness. And apart from the fact that digital is a fair amount more sensitive than film, I could rate it at 3,200 sometimes. And, you know, obviously there was a little bit of degraining going on in post, but ultimately what it really gave us or me was this this sense that that Jan could be um, confident in what he was seeing, and I didn't have to worry about getting the exposure right and having sleepless nights. It was a kind of a tough shoot anyway, and maybe maybe a little bit sissy, maybe you know not not the kind of bravest, but we could go and do other stuff, knowing that I was completely happy with what we'd shot. And Jan, like you know, he's one of these directors who likes to 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 work. 360 really as much as possible the other option would have been to uh, you know have massive lighting rigs and times and i think that it would it just wouldn't have worked really with what the process so it was it was fast and quick and spontaneous and we we were able to sort of turn and point in all directions at the last possible moment specifically uh what cameras did you use and how did you match the two mediums we, again, we did a lot of testing with Asa Schul at Molinaire uh, beforehand. I shot a lot of stuff on Super 16, a lot of stuff on Alexa at night. Predominantly, it was about grain structure, really. And it was remarkable how you couldn't just put a blanket grain pattern on the whole Alexa material. It was, you know, we had to do it shot by shot. And actually, what Jan very late in the in the edit came to me and he said he that he felt that the grain on the super 16 day was too much that it was too much of a distraction that somehow i think our maybe audiences are more used to what with the better quality film stock and also digital that that the grain has become less of an issue and i think people do notice now they start to notice when there is grain. So we actually removed all the grain, degrained all the Super 16, started again and put on a kind of 35 mil grain. And then with the uh, digital material, it was more of a question of, of um, 
putting grain in. Given the difference in the image plane size of your capture formats, were you at all concerned about matching depth of field? Uh, no, that's never been really an issue with me. And in that, uh, probably, you know, it adds another level of raggedness. Consistency can be made in more in a sort of the sense of color rather than specifics like depth of field. I mean, we use, so we went anamorphic. We, we chose to go anamorphic fairly early on. We went with the Hawk V lights for the digital. We tested the vintage 74s, I think, but that we felt that there was too much flaring that went on in the in the, the street lamps at night. And I you know, obviously knew that we'd be a lot of street lamps. I think that we felt that that would be too distracting. So I went with a sort of more modern coating. And uh, then with the Super 16, we went with a 1.3 squeeze V light so that we could go up to 235 from the Super 16 one you know, 166 format. And that worked very well. And I uh, also did use a, like a little Canon Zoom 8-64, which I then cropped in post to bring it to 235. The story is set in Belfast, but you didn't actually shoot anything there, did you? It became clear early on to Jan and the production that we weren't going to be able to shoot in Belfast for... For not just political reasons, but uh, that there wasn't enough of those streets, the Victorian streets that we were, you know, the, the 19th century streets that we needed. We had to go to the towns in northern England, places like Blackburn, Liverpool, Sheffield, Leeds, and seek out streets that were really in that state of disrepair that you know there are these communities that are suffering with what thatcher did in the in the 80s and there was a, a lot of rubble that was thrown in but you know the, essentially the fabric of the buildings was pretty much as you see it so that chris oddy the production designer could concentrate on the apocalyptic vision that was belfast you know in the state of war i mean we looked at, at uh, the the photos at the time, and it, it's quite shocking, really, how what, what the state of war Belfast was in. Easy to forget now, but not that far from maybe what is happening in Syria and Iraq, and so close to home was, was shocking. Let's talk about one of the most exciting scenes in the film. It's the sequence where uh, Jack O'Connell's character, Gary, is being chased through the streets and back alleys of Belfast. Yes, that was difficult because ideally we would have, would have wanted to shoot it geographically, you know, in one place. And uh, that wasn't possible. So we had to stitch together four, I think it's four different cities, all those back streets. But Jan was very clear about there had to be a logic about the route that he was taking so that we got the maps of the, the alleys and the streets that we were going to film in. And we had to be all very clear about where the, the route that he was taking. So it wasn't just a question of we just need a little street here for him to run down and then, you know, he'll turn around and he'll turn left and then, you know, we'll fix it in the edit. It was very clear that there was a, a specific route that with a logic to it. And that was shot over the nine weeks that we were shooting. I think, you know, it was probably he scattered, I think, um, 
five or six days now. You know, that had its advantages in that we we know maybe some of the scenes we had to reshoot, like the, the moment with the the, uh, the pram, we kind of started losing the light and, you know, we didn't quite get it. So we knew that we'd be returning to that sequence in, in a couple of weeks later. So we were able to reshoot it. And Jan, his other collaborator that he's worked with all over these years is, is Chris Wire, his editor. And they allowed me into the edit suite and we discussed and talked about, you know, that, the sequences like that. And it's starting with a, a thick base. Then from there, you, you're constantly looking at ways to grow it rather than having an absolutely specific beginning, middle and end that's all worked out and you just have to drop in and slot in at the end. It's a very organic process. Right, you've got a plan, but you can still use your instincts and be spontaneous. Yeah, and always worries that he doesn't want to scare anyone into thinking that they're just fixed in and they've made a decision and they have to stick by it. You know, they stand by it. I mean, there are, are, are certain elements where, you know, that we have to be prepared and, and for logistical reasons, things have to be ordered and, you know, motorbikes and wire cams. And there are islands that have to be fixed in this um, sea of chaos. But ultimately, to keep it as free-flowing as possible was always the inspiration. Let's talk about shooting digital at night. You give it a very natural look, but there's still a kind of stylization, like a real sense of atmosphere. You know, I knew that there had to be this this sense of anxiety, this sense of, of uh, really crushing kind of claustrophobic darkness. So that was the mood. But then also... What was important was that how would it have been in those days where there would be very little streetlights. So we looking at documentary photographs, we, you know, the streetlights were, were physically much lower and they used this uh, low pressure sodium bulbs rather than the, the more modern high pressure. So the, the, the sodium, the colour is a much darker, richer red, which, you know, has its own problems. Uh, because it is so saturated. But we did a lot of testing with the colorist, Acer, at Molinaire to play with that color. And I'd done a lot of stills in these environments at night. We went, obviously, we weren't wrecking at night at these these locations. So the stills that I shot, I played around with with my own grading. And I found that making the, the reds browner and adding some green and we found that just by putting some little bit of cyan in the highlights and things like that, it made this uh, tonally much richer. What did you use to augment the streetlights? Mark Taylor, my gaffer, we had a, like a, a, a china board, you know, maybe just sometimes for a little bit of fill with some kind of warm gel on an amber gel to mix in with the sodium light. But it, it, a lot of work was done in pre-production with the colorist. I have to say, in terms of getting those street lights to work, because we wanted it to feel like that hellish kind of environment. But what actually you get immediately is is something that's pretty nasty, deep kind of red. So there was a lot of work in post, really, to even that out. But I knew so much of that night stuff was in the colouring. Does this also include the scenes at the housing estate? Yes, that was because that housing estate was was actually completely empty, abandoned. There were no lights. So Mark, again, had to bring in three generators, miles and miles of cables to plug in. So the corridor lights, we just had to get power to those lights. But then when you looked out of those 
corridors it was just black at night there was no sense of any kind of life to that estate so i didn't want to just give a, a huge moonlight wash or anything to the estate i didn't want to see the buildings it was more a sense of creating life inside the estate so literally every one of those points of light is just a, a little practical or maybe a little 350 little dado or something and, and it literally took three weeks for mark and um, the reading gaffer just to make it come alive and then with chris Oddie, the production designer we you know we maybe put some different color curtains some different gels on the lights to just mess it all up again we we, we laughed because we knew that the painstaking detail that we got into making that uh, was was really in, in in hiding it all and but it needed to be done i didn't i really it would have i think taken you out of the drama to falsify the the sense of dread if there had been this sense of unnatural quantities of light there's another pursuit at the film's climax where the ira are coming after gary and it's a different kind of chase scene with a different sense of tension than the one we discussed earlier yes 90 percent of that sequence which we shot in the first two weeks was all Steadicam. It was definitely, it was that sense that we wanted this sort of controlled, things were coming to a head, they were closing in. And because we were, again, the levels of light were quite muddy, I think that it couldn't warrant too much camera movement in that you wouldn't be able to really understand what was going on. And it was this sense that the camera like the people were moving in, in in a very focused way. One of the things uh, I like about this sequence is the way that you've created a kind of a maze-like sense of space. You know, it's not confusing, but it's disorienting, which I think works well for the story. The whole film is a lot about trying to disorientate the audience, but doing it not so that the audience should feel lost. I think just on edge and maybe in the the, the earlier daytime scenes it, we were able to use the heavy camera movement handheld camera movement as one way to disorientate but because everything looks so similar and you know it, we're already disorientated in terms of the very visual quality of the estate and the you know pretty much wherever you looked it looked the same so i like wrong footing the audience absolutely yes keeping them guessing when making a film about a conflict like the Troubles, which might be viewed as, you know, carrying some nationalist baggage, is it important to maintain an objective viewpoint? You know, there's, there's been noises made about the fact that the film is very apolitical and it kind of skirts around the whole issues of, of what the politics was about. But there have been enough films that deal specifically with that. And I think Jan was very, you know, he, he wanted to make a film that had more of a kind of universal slant. And the point was that whichever angle, whether you were from the, the, the British perspective or the Protestant perspective or the Catholic perspective or, you know, disillusioned uh, soldier's perspective, he ultimately uh, there were just some tragic consequences for kids, for children. You know, obviously the, the British uh, army behaved pretty appallingly you know, in, in terms of consciously trying to create as much chaos as possible in, behind the scenes. But it was more, the, you know, the humanity of it all, how, how, how ridiculously, you know, we all behave in situations like that and ultimately how it is the innocents who are uh, most affected. So it kind of wanted 
to skirt that issue, not because it was a political hot potato, but because ultimately it made that point clearer and sharper that it's about the kids, no matter from where, which, which background they, they come from, they're, they're, the, 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 the consequences are always going to be tragic in the war scenario. Tad, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about your work. Brilliant. Well, thank you. I, you know, I hope it was of some use. That was Tat Ratcliffe talking about his work on the film 71. Thanks for listening. This has been the American Cinematographer Podcast. Thanks for listening. You can find more podcasts, blogs, and exclusive ASC content by logging onto theasc.com. This podcast has been brought to you by the American Society of Cinematographers a nonprofit organization dedicated to promoting the art and craft of cinematography.